Everybody, welcome to Through the Keyhole. We're back. It's Tuesday. And guess what? No Matt Hurton today because he wants to go watch the Oklahoma City Thunder lose another game. Oklahoma City, Josh Giddy's a little bit cooler than Keegan Renault and myself, Brady Trantham. He's got better hair than both of us. I used to not be able to say that about you. Um, just because my hair is short doesn't mean it's not good. <laughs> it's still thick and curly, my friend. Full dark, except for this little little spot on my left sideburn. Hey, let's let's start with a positive. Mr. Uh, Austin Reeves has found a way onto the uh, court for the Los Angeles Lakers. Close friend, listener of the podcast. Uh, shout out to Caleb. Uh, probably thinks that Austin Reeves is the second best Sooner in the NBA. <laughs> Noted hater of both Buddy he- Buddy Heald and Blake Griffin. Known hater of Buddy Heald. Oh my God, Buddy Heald sucks. Yeah, he's, he's the, the reason Sacramento's terrible. That's the reason. It's that, Buddy's th- fault. That's the confusion. That's why. <laughs> Just get get that cancer out of here, and then Sacramento's going to start winning division championships. <laughs> but Reeves is actually like legit through these first couple games, which is. Can I throw somebody under the bus? I'm going to throw two people under the bus. Do it. Do it. So I liked Austin Reeves during his time at OU, and I I felt that way early on just because, and you've heard me say this, yeah, he's got flaws, Mm -hmm. but the dude can go out there and make a play. He's a basketball player, and Long Kruger's teams famously didn't really have a lot of basketball players. They were just, I am the shooter. I am the athlete guy. I am the defensive player. You know, he would just get guys that fit categories and just threw them out there and just hoped, please, God, Buddy Heald, save us. Please, God, Trey Young, save us. Something. Somebody be good enough to overcome all this stuff. Basically, the Sam Presti Thunder formula with KD, Russ, and Harden. That. Austin Reeves could go out there and just one-on-one somebody to death. He's got handles. He can shoot. He's got confidence. Hillbilly Kobe, Brady. Yeah, he's not. he is not afraid. And on the basketball floor, that's very important to me. Are you afraid? No, then get off get off the floor. Are you afraid? Oh, okay, well then you don't need to be touching the ball then. So, Austin Reeves, I always liked him. I didn't think he'd be in the NBA. I'm not trying to toot a horn here, but uh, shout out to Ryan and Christine. You may not remember this, but we were actually about to watch a Thunder game at the franchise studio for uh, to get ready for the evening. And OU, I think, was playing, and their game was wrapping up right before the Thunder started. And I just mentioned, like, man, I like Austin Reeves. I think he's one of the better players on the team. And both of y'all were just like, Austin Reeves? <laughs> he's trash. I can't say anything about my Oklahoma basketball takes because the I – I don't know if it's dead yet, but it's it's pretty much been buried, the whole Trey Young thing. So Well, I mean, is he – He's on his way. He is well on his way. He's, they a, look he's inc- a young upstart. They look incredible through three games. Still early, but I'm hopeful. Hopefully last year wasn't kind of a just a product of a weird season. Sure. And a team catching fire. We've seen that before. He's, a, he's a lot of fun, man. I, oh. think, that's the, I think that's the the most important thing is like... Was he on WWE like he, in New York? He went... Like a month ago, month and a half that ago. That is so cool. And like basically just ate it. The, all the entire New York crowd was hating on him. And oh yeah. That is so cool. And don't don't worry, Ryan and Christine. I'm not completely throwing you under the bus. Because at one point I thought Juan Patillo was going to be a great at OU. And him and Blake Griffin are going to bring home the first national title for the basketball program in school history. And I think he played three or four games and then fell off the face of the earth. With LeBron James out tonight, Austin Reeves is closer to being in that final group to play in tonight in who, the game. N- now, here's the question. <laughs> who is closer, Austin Reeves <laughs> to NBA stardom or the Oklahoma football Sooners? Brady, I have... I've, I'm so happy. I can't believe he fucking said that again today. He said it, and then he threw the fan base under the bus. He, not what just is the he fa- doing? N- not just the fan base, and the media. The media. None of y'all bitches know anything about nothing, is what Lincoln Riley said. <laughs> Not verbatim, but basically, like he needs a translator, like on Key and Peele when the the Obama anger translator. 
Mm-hmm. That we need a Lincoln Riley one. That's my that's my biggest problem with it. And you you heard me say this whenever Spencer did the like they they're not on the field they don't know what they're talking about kind of thing. Like it's just never a great answer. It's just it's true. It is absolutely true. They know things about football that we will never that I will learn. never know exactly. I'll, yeah, it's absolutely true. You just don't say it. You, we all have coworkers that are idiots. You can't just go up to them and tell them they're an idiot. Mm-hmm. It's just rude. So. It's absolutely right. It's just it's not a very good answer. It's not, and and it's from the aspect of again, you're putting a, a target on your back that this team has not deserved or needed. If Oklahoma comes out this weekend, Brady, <laughs> we haven't even started getting into Texas in the Kansas game yet. Uh, if Oklahoma comes out and plays flat this weekend or struggles against Texas Tech, like it's only going to get louder, and it's because of that, like. And that's my biggest thing is like how he's kind of dealt through the craziness of this season for Oklahoma. You kind of got to feel and hear the hate, the fan base a little bit like beat Kansas by 12. Kansas. Hey, they, they beat them by more than one possession. Until K- TCU, that was a step in the right direction. That's I don't the know closest, what you're talking about. That's the closest margin in a Kansas game since I did all that research. That's the closest margin since 97. I know you lost. <laughs> They beat they beat Kansas thirty four nineteen in twenty thirteen. I remember that was kind of a sloppy game, but twenty twenty thirteen OU was really weird. They were really weird. A very sloppy team. Was that a, was that Trevor Knight or Blake Bell? Was he the who was quarterback that day? I have no recollection of that game. I just saw that score and thought, oh, I remember a weird OU Kansas game in recent history. Twenty thirteen. I would imagine that Trevor was playing, but I don't wouldn't. Yeah, put money on that. It probably happened close to Bedlam, and Trevor started Bedlam, but then he got hurt because that because it's Trevor Knight. <laughs> I saw someone did a, a little. Uh, where's Trevor Knight? Trevor Knight now on TikTok. Which is, it, is really interesting? Isn't he? Isn't he on a podcast? He is. They do like a live post game on Twitter with this group. I don't know what their name is, but like a OU one or a college football, like a college football wide one with like former players are on it hand in the dirt kind of guys you know uh, yeah you, you know guys who were so broke in college they couldn't afford to eat every day <laughs> yet trevor knight had abs so he was eating something he had a lot of never mind what no he had a lot of what no mm. no 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 no. i mean other than the close thing lincoln said today <laughs> um the other poignant points that he brought up it was blake bell by the way before we it was blake bell. okay well shows what i know but again i don't me- i don't remember, remember that game we will either. remember this kansas game from now until the end of time mm-hmm. unfortunately now uh, we take will. that danny manning gotcha got your hopes up and then we took them from you no other than that i think lincoln just brought up player injuries guys who are close to returning. (laughs) What did he say? He expects DJ Graham and DTY to be available, or Jalen Redmond to be available this week. He said Redmond. Everybody was available against Kansas. Right. Redmond, he said he expects Redmond back. Everybody else, or Mario and Mike Woods, are going to be limited in practice, but could go this week. Mike Woods went through warm-ups last weekend. I know everybody that was there was saying that he had a little giddy up in his step that the hamstring or an ankle some, or something. Something's going on, and then I didn't hear about everybody else. I, I just know Redmond and then those two. I didn't. I didn't see anything, but I would imagine like DJ Grams was a head injury. There, you know, I think his mom tweeted didn't have a concussion. So, I mean, I wouldn't. I would imagine he's fine. He should be ready to go here pretty quick. DTY should be ready to go as well. He went through warmups last weekend. Which will now segue us, unless Lincoln said anything else, I didn't have a chance to actually listen to. I just saw the quotes, quotes from uh, Twitter. He he did just in terms of like he was asked some pretty tough questions today, like in terms of the defense and where they're at, and if he feels like this team's progressing in a way like years past have, and all that all that fun stuff. And he was again pretty defensive about his guys, which is to be expected. Like I'm not. I don't blame him for it. I just kind of blame the way it's like being messaged out because again, like if, they, if the offense comes out and stinks on Saturday and now like the fan base is rolled up Brady, like that's how you get booed at home. <laughs> like, 
Like I, I don't expect that's, that to happen. That hasn't happened forever. Oh, oh, oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's already happened this year. Oh, use eight now though. Uh, before we dive into not necessarily a Kansas reaction, but just from your film review, which is all of course available at through the keyhole on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the keyhole for our $5 patrons. And we've had quite a few uh, over the last few days edit their pledges from a dollar or the $4 tier to $5. So everybody, a lot of people are curious as to what you found, uh, Keegan. But before we get into that, I do want to bring up this point that I've been toying with. All offseason, you were telling me, mainly during fall camp, like Lincoln is, this is the hardest he's coached a team. Mm-hmm. This is the toughest he's been on his team, blah, blah, blah. And then I I hear that from you. I've heard that on other podcasts. I've read that in other publications. Um, so it no doubt has an element of truth to it, especially when you consider Lincoln Riley, from what people have said about him in terms of his coaching style, more player-friendly than right. hard ass like a Nick Saban, you know, or old school like a Nick Saban. Nick Saban's like seventy years old, but I I hear that and I know that. But then you see the way that he treated Spencer Rattler, and not just in game, but in the media, whenever discussing him. Hell, whenever he's discussing another player, he's indirectly talking to Spencer Rattler. He might as well just look in the camera and smile and break the fourth wall. I wonder if. These tough questions being thrown at Lincoln that clearly piss him off because he falls on his crutch of we're close, um, which is basically just an F you. You don't know what you're talking about, so don't you dare question my football team. You combine that with if he did, in fact, you know, coach this team like a hard ass, I really wonder how the team takes it when they get coached by him and it's a characteristic. Sure. And they're coaching and he's coaching them hard. But then he holds Spencer Rattler's hand the entire time when he's QB1 and now when he's even QB2. And from how we've seen the team react to Caleb Williams, probably with a good percentage of the team having the understanding of, hey, why isn't this guy playing? We like him better. He's better than him. You know, whatever thoughts they might have had. I wonder if this is just brewing and that trickles down. You know, that that's big philosophy that sure. we, can't, we, can't, we can't prove, but... When you get told all these things from fall camp on and then you see these results and you don't know why, you know, for the most part, because the talent is there. Even with the injuries, there is talent. Oh, yeah. I can – I can. there was a, a lot of questions to me after Saturday's game of where did the guys go I saw last year? <laughs> yeah. Like, I wrote about it in the Monday post and even kind of in the Sunday reaction of, like, how did this defense just become randomly bad? Had a few – Patrons, few listeners text me during the Kansas game. If we lose this game, Alex Grinch has to be fired. And in retrospect, at the time, I was like, I I don't know about that. But in retrospect, just because of how bad Kansas is, the optics, it's like somebody would probably somebody would have gotten fallen the sword. No, yeah, there was there was a firing coming if they if you lose to Kansas. I think Grinch might have just retired. (laughs) He's like, I I don't tarmac. Just don't even come back with the team. No, I just he the way that he is like so self deprecating and honest and he looks at things kind of like how you need to hear his press conference today it's like the most depressing i've ever heard yeah so the reason one of the reasons why the fans like him is because he says a lot of things that fans feel and think and we get off on that so when our team plays like shit we want all the coaches to say that was shit but for the most part coaches defend their players and they say yeah there were some mistakes but you know we won the game oh well winning's hard Never going to apologize for that. Grinch is like, we can't even fucking play zone. <laughs> we can't even do something you learn in middle school. I'm sorry. It could be, like, and to your bigger point, like, I think that there is a, a world where whenever you've had a coach that's been one way for so long and then he kind of switches his persona a little bit, like, it catches you off guard, right? And there's, like, that kind of that trust factor that you have, especially if it's coming from a coach or a person that you're supposed to trust and – whether it's a you know father figure, whatever they see Lincoln as. I mean, I remember Baker basically treated him like an older brother, which was always hilarious. But, you know, I think that he's kind of having to find himself. Would that be fair to say for, like, the first time? Like I think so as well. I mean, he's in his fifth year as a head coach, and he's four or five years older than me. Yeah, he's still old enough to go out on uh, Campus Corner if he wanted to, considering some people I see out there. I mean... Has a 30-year-old coach won a national title? 
I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking. I've started this podcast off asking big questions. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, Sean Mc. So the closest that it is is McVeigh going to the Super Bowl and facing Belichick. Yes. I don't think anybody, because I'm trying to think of coaches that have won it in pa- like r- not recent years, but if you go through the years, because you had Malzahn at Auburn, you had Urban, you had what's his face the went through the tattoo scandal at Ohio State. Won it twice. Les Miles won one. Saban's won six of them. So yeah, it would he would he would definitely be the youngest. And I think that that comes with kind of finding who you are as a head coach. And I would imagine that Lincoln's really good with adjusting to what he has and what he's done. So I would anticipate like next year is probably going to be treated a lot differently. But at the same time, too, like there's. And I'm going to credit my dad with saying this. Like you've been a part of part of teams as well, and like we've we've talked about more of our personal aspects, kind of on how we feel about this team and this season. But I think my dad made it's like, yeah, like there's always times where you know when your leader steps up and he's your main guy. Like there's always a high from that the team gets. But it's it's never a good look that when guys are playing harder for someone. Like it shouldn't take Caleb being no, the quarterback for no. guys to play hard. So, like, it's kind of along the same lines of kind of what we talked about earlier today, like, about getting Spencer ready. Like, that's also on Spencer as well. I agree with you a thousand percent. Well, I think that can kind of answer the question that you just asked. Like, how did this – mainly the defense, and Spencer has nothing to do with the defense. Sure. But, but Spencer is – he's a captain, and he's the quarterback. So, even though he doesn't play defense, he still represents that side of the ball in some way, shape, or form. It kind of answers that, where – they didn't really know how Spencer Rattler played or led last year. And according to Lincoln Riley, they weren't even asking him to be a leader, which was a stupid answer and a weird answer at the time, and it's still weird now. But you would think that after time, as they get more familiar with him, oh, this is how he is? How that could rub off and just wear away, and that confidence goes away over time. And that could explain why the offense just randomly looked pedestrian. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you insert Caleb, a guy that they just, oh, we like him. Now they could prove to not like him. The For all we know, what if Caleb Williams is just corny? Like Tim Tebow was corny. Yeah, Caleb, I mean, Caleb's doing a lot, like, to, you can tell, to make sure that, the t- like, to get the team, like, behind him and do this and do that. But, like, that's my biggest thing is that all those things that we're talking about kind of, like, honestly, you know, it speaks to the bigger question, but. I mean, it kind of goes out the window with how they played in, in Lawrence, <laughs> in a way, because <laughs> it's like, yeah, that... you have Caleb, you have Caleb Inner, and like, okay, leadership's kind of figured out. Guys are buzzing around, guys are flying around, and then next thing you know, just freaking tank. So, no, I, I, Brady, I would say this, Lincoln. I think, I know you. Have, I'm not being negative about the OU communications department at all, but you've heard some of my complaints about them in the past. I don't know if they're necessarily like handling everything how I would anticipate them to handle it from in the past. And again, I don't know, Brady, if that's a Spencer thing, like if they're trying to, you know, protect him. I don't know if it's a we're trying to control the message kind of thing, which it always is, but like Again, I just don't understand why you would put your your team has, you know, not just could have five losses, but if you want to look at the stat sheets, like should have five losses with the way they've played in some of these games. Yeah. So, like, there's there's nothing denying it. And I mean, and again, like with everything that's so much open access, public access these days, Brady, like we can go and and figure out like the things that I've sent you over the last four days is like. You know, people listening to this, you guys watched it and thought Kansas was out playing Oklahoma. Like, we can confirm those things. People, I mean, like, you can't fool people. Like, again, especially this fan base. You've heard me and talk about parallels between OU and the St. Louis Cardinals a lot, Brady. But, I mean, both of those fan bases are known as very smart, educated of the fans of, like, OU football fans and Cardinals baseball fans about what they know and what they see and what they watch. And they, they're really good at telling you when something's off. Really good. OU fans know OU fans knew when with the way the offense was going with Spencer that something was just off. And now 
it seems like everything is off before we dive into we haven't even touched on the yeah. game yet so no more big philosophy questions don't worry guys let's get a little bit I, more I, I kicked around the bushes there but i hope that made sense no, no, like, it, it made sense yeah what doesn't make sense is what we saw on saturday uh but again like the big picture oh you treated it like a scrimmage lincoln riley treated it like a scrimmage they've done this before already this season now, pragmatically, I understand that. Yep. I understand it. When you have nine straight games, and we've talked about that a zillion times on this podcast, when you have nine straight games, you've got to look at it pragmatically. Okay, the last three games of the schedule, with our soft-ass schedule, that's it. If we're going to win the Big 12, get to the Big 12 title, win it, and get to the playoff, it's going to be because we win all three of those games. So to shoot our wad against TCU or against Kansas State would be a little silly. So, hey, we've got all this depth on defense, and I know that's kind of a laugh-out-loud statement to say because the depth has proven to be, uh, yikes. And they're not even using it. I mean, they're not. Yeah, they're not even using it, but when I say depth, they basically just have a lot of guys, a lot of names that have registered some playing time. Sure. So they're not backing up. Tr- they're not being backed up by true freshmen across the board. So... I can understand in the offseason when they're making their grand scheme plans. All right, we're going to have to do a little bit more rotating. Okay, we're going to have to do a little bit more of this, a little bit less of that, a little bit less of that, because this is ridiculous. Nine straight games before a bye week. Injuries are going to happen. Hopefully it's not season-ending injuries, but, you know, ankles here, hamstring there. you got to be aware that that's going to be a thing, and for OU it's happened this year. Fortunately, it seems like the stars are aligning for most, if not all, I don't know about Woody, all returning at least for Baylor. And maybe even getting some, giving some of them back on Saturday. We'll see if that helps. It should, but we'll see. Because, I mean, there are, there's evidence to suggest, like especially third down numbers. I don't know if you've caught this. They went down as soon as Woody and DTY left, you know, were hurt. So... You just use the easy – use your brain and just say, well, if you plug them back in and they're fine, then maybe the third downs get a little bit better cleaned up, tackling gets cleaned up. So I understand treating Kansas like a scrimmage. Oh, you should have been able to treat Tulane like a scrimmage and beat the shit out of them. They didn't do that. They probably wanted to treat Western Carolina like a scrimmage, but because they played like such awful ass against Tulane, they had to be a little bit tough and harder on the team during that week, and then they – took care of business accordingly they should have also been able to treat kansas like a scrimmage and win by 45 points even with all these guys that they dressed and said fuck it it's kansas we don't need you let's not get you hurt they should have been able to go in flat and lethargic you know for a drive or two like when kansas scored a touchdown on the opening drive i don't care we're gonna win 52 to 7 mm-hmm when they kick the field goal, I'm just like, well, at some point we'll wake up. But, man, they've had the ball for 47 minutes <laughs> somehow in a 30-minute half. I don't understand. I just waited and waited and waited for them to just wake up. And then it never happened. And so I'm just kind of left with, I understand treating Kansas like a scrimmage. They have every right to do so. But, my God, that that was ridiculous. Now, all that gets forgiven, Keegan, if they, A, beat Texas Tech on Saturday. Do what they're not just beat Tech. They need to do what they need to do against Well, Tech. Is that too I'm, much? Well, I'm going to assume that, okay, unless, let's just assume DTY, DJ Graham, and Jalen Redmond come back for Texas Tech. If those three guys are so game-changing that the defense looks incredible, i.e., and it gives the uh, offense more possessions, OE will win fairly handily. Sure. But I don't know how game-changing they are. And I just... I OU's only beaten the shit out of one team with a pulse this year. One. So I can't even assume that they'll do that. All I just want them to do is just simply beat Texas Tech. Because after that, we can then say, all that shit from the first nine games, all the bad stuff, that gets forgiven if they go into Baylor... Shorten up the bench, shorten up the rotations, play their guys. Every Don't take Nick Benito off the field on third down where they play closer to the line of scrimmage, where they don't play so soft, where they don't do like a weird zone man hybrid half the time with their safety slash nickelback, like Justin Broyles. 
They don't do weird stuff like that. And the offense just looks like a Lincoln Riley offense. All that gets forgiven because at that point, I think we could then be guaranteed that, yeah, it was a, a very cognizant plan of we've got to take games a little bit, not less seriously, but we need to be aware of the bigger picture at hand here. This schedule is so soft for the first nine games. We don't have an opponent that can really sniff us. We should be able to beat them at 80% so we can have our 100% for Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. There's part of it that I, I feel as if like the scrimmage aspect of it, because that trickles down to the players, as you've you've mentioned and what we mentioned at the beginning of the year, like the players feel that like they don't take preparation as seriously. They don't take what they need to do as seriously. And I mean, to dive right into it, like I'm with you, but it's the same stuff that we've been talking about since week one, like if there weren't busts and there weren't linebackers going the wrong direction or not keying on something right or doing this right or doing that right or there's not a, a wide receiver from Kansas that is wide open for almost there's it seems like there's a receiver open on every play and when those things happen that tells me it's more than just players like there's legit issues and you know we'll kind of have or I'll have a Wednesday post for tomorrow that's kind of goes into the deep dive of kind of where Oklahoma's at right now, but Brady has seen this. There's a kind of a heat map I got, like a strike, kind of like a hitter, hitter's zone in a sense where like the areas of it, the passing defense where you could attack Oklahoma and have the most success. <laughs> Between zero and 10 yards in all areas of the field, it's like one of the worst defenses in the country. You literally can throw slants the entire game if you scheme them upright and it gives you a better chance to win than running the football slants quick game better than running the football against Oklahoma so I think the the glass half full approach for me Brady and I said this to you earlier like the only answer for Oklahoma that they have I think at this point to provide to anybody whether that's Grinch whether that's you know, Lincoln, if it's an analyst, like whoever it may be, is that, well, once DJ Graham's back and DTY's back, like they can play, you know, more aggressive coverage because they trust those guys. And then that in turn gets the pass rush another, you know, half a second to get home. And then things could really spiral from there for them and or for offenses from there because at that point, if you can't block Oklahoma up front and they've got you covered, then they're in, they're in good shape. I mean, they're a top 30, top 35 defense, but, you know, at the end of the day, man, like, it's it's puzzling. Like, it, I've sat here for three days sending people the same tape over and over and over trying to get answers from a bunch of different avenues about what I'm watching. And, like, the de- the offense was a, was a lot easier to understand. The defense, Brady, there's people, people that respected guys that I, I mean, lean on for information watching games – we're talking like they don't know what they're trying to accomplish defensively right now. Everybody knows what Grinch's identity is, but they don't know what the the plan is and what they're trying to accomplish out of like certain play calls and certain things. And it's like, it's week eight. We, I mean, I was bitching about this four weeks ago, five weeks ago. We were sitting on here talking about why are they still busting after the Texas game? Even before that, go to the West Virginia and Kansas State games. So... It's kind of, it's a place, you know, Brady, I, I know you're going to hate for me to say this, but I mean, it was like, I think, I think that's rock bottom. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if you go any worse than what it was in Lawrence defensively in the Grinch era. Like I, I know the LSU, the LSU game happened, Brady, and we have like plausible reasons why the LSU game happened. DTY broke his collarbone. Ronnie Perkins is out. We all downplayed <laughs> how good Ronnie Perkins is. Uh, Saturday, there's 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 more questions than there are answers for what I can tell you that you know David Aguayu you know getting lost with guys moving around the line of scrimmage. I could tell you Brian Osamo getting lost. I could tell you this. I don't know how they fix it because if it if there was an answer, it would have been done by now. <laughs> and so either it was the fact that basic stuff that these guys don't know how to do, they literally didn't watch any Kansas tape because I can tell you this is the stuff that they ran at Buffalo. They didn't need to. They sh- they, they should they shouldn't have needed to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just basic stuff. And 
Like, I, I don't want to go full, again, doom and gloom, but Oklahoma from an SP plus perspective, Brady, I mean, this is worse than what it's been since ever been since Grinch has been here. Like what, where they're at yeah. right now. So like they're in a, they're in a hole, but if it is rock bottom and you have, like I said, X, Y, and Z Jalen Redmond's back, which helps the pass rush helps, helps more in the run game, a, a run defense that is close to, I believe it would be historic for you Oklahoma. said the word. I know, I know. It, 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 but that's a positive sign, though, because that does tell me that the defensive line is doing what it needs to do. Whether, it, you know, I know there's a lot of questions about pass rush. There has been for a couple weeks now. But, I mean, if the linebackers aren't making plays, then why is running the football in Oklahoma literally, literally, you should technically never run it if, if you're trying to improve your chances to win. Um, that tells me the defensive line's fine. So, inserting Redmond's going to help. My, I mean, my question becomes, Brady, is that if DJ Graham comes back, who was busting in the West Virginia game, left and right, in coverage, and, and DTY comes back, like, are those are those enough to get them to a place that if they go play, well, it looks like they're going to have to play Ohio State or Georgia in a playoff game. Yeah, I know we're looking way down the line here. I'm not going to get too ahead of myself, but if they do get there and things start going, like, is is that, are those two guys, are those people enough? Those Woody Washington... Redmond, DTY, and Graham, is it enough to overcome some of these, what feels like foundational issues that Oklahoma has? Like, that's my main question. Yeah. I mean, to answer your question quickly, the answer is no on paper because DTY and Woody Washington are, you know, they're solid. They're like Woody, of course, has the most potential and he has the most potential right now to be a really good player. Right. Uh, But in terms of like beating Georgia and Alabama because those two players are back. On paper, no, of course, though. that's not going to tip the scale in OU's favor. It's always going to be an uphill battle when you're OU playing those two teams, either one of those teams in the playoff. But that's when you hope football kind of comes in, stuff you can't project, stuff you can't Absolutely. account for, where just things can be overcome because OU makes a few more plays here and there and maybe benefits from mistakes on their end. Because if you and I watch Georgia and Alabama every single day and every single play, and knew everything going in and just understood the context better than just watching sure. them on a random Saturday, you and I would be dissecting a, a few flaws. And then we might even be asking the question of, because we would just know about Oklahoma from afar. Oh, I've got, I've got, pl- you know me, I've got plenty of yeah. questions about all the contenders right now. But with your afar opinion of Oklahoma, it's like, yeah, that was a weird escape from Lawrence, but hell, I mean, every team escapes from their worst team, worst conference foes, uh, you know what was the what was the screenshot flowing around 2016 Clemson won like six one possession games or something crazy like yeah. that before they won a natty yeah so you know but if you're an Alabama fan or a Georgia fan like yeah you'd feel very confident but your far off opinion of Oklahoma is just oh man they've got apparently they've got this special guy at quarterback oh no last time they had two special quarterbacks they were they were about a, a touchdown. They were a play or two away from getting to the national title against Alabama. And then Kyler Murray got put in a 28-point hole. But it is what it I'm, is. I'm looking at the Clemson schedule real quick, that 2016 team. They beat Auburn by six to open the season, beat Troy by six in the next game. They Troy Aikman? <laughs> the Troy Trojans. Oh. They beat Louisville by six. That was a Lamar Jackson-led Louisville. Beat NC State in overtime by seven. Florida State by three. Lost to Pitt by one. Barely beat Virginia Tech in the ACC championship game and then went on to win. So, it can happen, man. No, it can happen. And that's why when you were saying they have to beat Tech, you know, convincingly the way that they should in order for you, I guess, to think, okay, some rights have been wrong or some wrongs have been right. It's going to take more than Tech, but just heading in the – they just – Lincoln says they close. Like, let's see them head in the right direction. You know, like again, more some, than he you, says that so much. I would hope a media member. Uh, hello, Lee Benson. Hello, Jason Kersey. Eddie. Eddie. Few of them that were in that room listen to this podcast. Ask him. Okay, what exactly do you mean close? Like close to an offensive explosion? Close to just overall team growth? Close to a loss? Like what exactly do you mean? You keep saying that. It's a good point. Because 
I mean, we have edu- educate us, simple dumb people who don't know what football is. I mean, educate me. Like I, I could sit in that room and and hear him say all that, and I had for two years. I mean, I explained this in this long post. Like, why do you think I don't care if how Lincoln Riley's teams do? <laughs> like, I again, if there's there's ever an opportunity to go work at the University of Oklahoma, I would definitely say yes. But my point is, is that like, hell, I said yes. Yeah, you did, and you've got a new uh, Twitter picture for that. Oh uh, no, and uh, Mr. Pro professional at this but I uh no and we haven't even gotten to the offense in which the quarterback was not as bad as the offensive line but it was still like again all of it just no you're not like in all the metrics you dropped you were you were below average against Kansas and it made what they've already had a very flawed kind of look to him Brady (laughs) Like it made it even more flawed. Besides a, a couple areas. So, anyways, I don't I don't know where you want to go from here, but I uh, I'm just I'm defensively I'm just not at a place where like fire Alex Grinch because I don't think that's the answer. No, um, I'm not because like I said, like if there is one thing that you can rank keep you can hang your hat on is that if a team wants to run the football in Oklahoma for an entire game, which I don't know why they would right now. But if they wanted to do that or be very run based, like that's not the answer to beating them, like at all. Like it's not even in the realm of of an idea I would have. So <laughs> yeah, like I've already heard some people say that or ask the question: Has Alex Grinch simply lost his team, or I guess specifically, whatever he's preaching, it's just not getting to the players? And whenever someone has posed that question, they kind of go down the rabbit hole of. That was Mike's problem, and he got fired. So we need to fire Alex Grinch if that's the case, right? Using that same logic, and I would I would argue no, because until we see players getting verbal arguments with Alex Grinch on the sideline. How long line, was Stoops at Oklahoma? Too fucking long. Well, that's how. 11 to – it was 12, 12 to – 18. 12 to 18. So he had six years to, to get things right. Yeah, and look, early like, – the first year he was there, I did not want Mike there. I wanted Mike there if Brent was going to stay. Like, I think okay. that's the sentiment from a, well, a lot of people yeah. at the time. So when it was just Mike, I thought, oh, I don't like this. And then 2012's defense kind of really fell off. Like 2011's defense was talented, but it fell off towards the end of the year. Right. And then 2012 was just mm, kind of hot garbage. Did, was 2011 because of the offensive injuries, though? Weren't they on yeah, the field a lot? Well, because as soon as Broyles went down against A&M... I mean, they the just off- started doubling stills is what I remember. Everybody did. Yeah. It, like nobody else could catch the ball, run routes <laughs> properly. And, you know, Landry Jones, I mean, talented, just couldn't deliver to anybody that he could count right. on. Um, but no, like 2012 crap, 2013 started to like, okay, maybe I was wrong because the defense really started to come along and hell, they won OU some games and they won o- they helped OU win the sugar bowl. Right. So it's starting to kind of like, okay, all the stars are going to line for 2014. Right. Especially if Trevor Knight truly is like, the next great quarterback at OU, we all know how that season ended up. But just like I wrote in the Sunday reaction post, that team was literally three or four plays away from going from eight and four or eight and five, whatever they were, to being a 10 or 11 win team. In 14? And it still yeah. would have been a bad team. It mm-hmm. still would have been a below average, did not meet expectations team for what 2014 was supposed to be. But the defense in 2014 really soured me on Mike. That was when the Baylor game happened. That's when Julian Wilson and other players were screaming, getting into screaming matches with Mike Stoops. And then, of course, it all culminated in 2017's defense being bad, 2018's being somehow worse. And uh, 2017 Ohio State game did happen, though. That did happen. Uh, thank you, JT Barrett. Uh, but until players start screaming at Alex Grinch on the sideline, back and forth, and until Alex Grinch, I guess, throws tries to throw a player out into the Cotton Bowl fairgrounds... Uh, the Texas State Fairgrounds during the halftime of uh, OU Texas game, I would probably say, I don't think he's not. I don't think he's lost his team. I don't think he's lost his players because I mean the players seem to respect him whenever they talk about the defense overall and they talk about Alex Grinch in the media. I would I would suggest he's not done that. I would just suggest that the guys that he's had to roll out there, especially the guys he's had to roll out there because of injury, he just has zero confidence they can do anything. Mm-hmm bare fucking minimum it's it's crazy i mean we went through we've kind of gone through a list and you went through the list of the guys that are in the secondary room that were there before grinch or at least recruited by mike right which is important it's in, we'll 
get to that in a second. Right. Um, but I, and I always say back to you, it's like, yeah, and it's kind of the same conversation I, you know, I have with Spencer too. Like he kind of had the COVID year. It was weird. Like all the quarterback stuff this year has been really weird besides Corral taking off. Um, so, so like in the same conversation, like I kind of feel for Joshua Eaton and Bryson Washington and you know, like where's Kendall Dennis at? Like that's a guy that they were really happy to get whenever Grinch was first year. Ty DeArmond, they wasted a scholarship on him. Uh, he was there for a single year. Justin Harrington's no longer around. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of like self reflection for from Grinch's perspective. Key Lawrence looks like he's gonna pan out. You know, he has his first really good game. Still, I think he's still the one that busted on the final touchdown. Yeah, the coverage thing is a work in progress with him. But at least you know the thing with him was just he looked like a physical specimen. Mm-hmm. And no, he doesn't have that in the secondary over the last few years. But he's shown that no, he can hit. Mm-hmm. And he can hit, and he he's not afraid to come up and you'll see it in the film review, Brady. Like he's not afraid to come up in the box as a safety and make plays. So it's yeah, it's all crazy. Um, I again, I think there is some like look in the mirror. I didn't recruit the guy I thought I did, kind of thing. Maybe going on for Alex Grinch and oh shit, like now I'm stuck. I've got to rely on the guys that I trust. Well, the guys that I trust aren't. I mean, to be quite frank, you know elite potential elite NFL guys, which is what Oklahoma needs yes. to get over the top. Especially with Grinch's schemes. And so like there's there's a lot. I mean it it all kind of plays into itself. Like I'm not gonna sit here and you know, Mike's not been around since eighteen. Like Grinch has coached these guys and it's year three and they, they need to be at a place and I would I would feel less about this, Brady, if like there weren't busts everywhere still for this for an Alex Grinch defense that really haven't ever been there. Like that's my again, my biggest concern and like not even player development because like you can tell that Deshaun White and I I said this to you earlier, he has his bad moment. He has like a single bad moment every game that is like, "Oh my god, like what did you do?" Yeah. Um but he's become much more consistent. It's literally everybody else around him. And so like that's where like linebacker development's been weird, like corner development's been weird. Safety development's been weird. I mean, the only two guys on this defensive staff that I feel like are above fault right now are Kane and Tibbs. And even the defensive line has put out a lot of underwhelming performances. Sure. But I mean, West Virginia and uh, Kansas certainly stand above the rest of them. Because Kansas State, they didn't get home at all, but they at least corralled the running game. Mm-hmm. So they at least did something. They didn't do what we wanted them to do exactly. They did at least did something. West Virginia, they didn't do anything. Kansas, they barely did anything until, what, 28 seconds left? They get a sack. It's like that's the most pointless sack in the history of football. Broke a seven-quarter streak. Thank, well, thank God. What were we, without a sack. What were we going to do with ourselves? No, like the thing with Grinch, and you know, I'm curious what you think about this because – Whenever you said this, I'm not accusing you of thinking this way or being married to this. But sure. Whenever you said, you know, Grinch has been here for three years. He's had time to coach these guys. That's true. You had the caveat to a pandemic year, which that really, that really kind of. How you evaluate that in a way that's for everybody. We're going we're gonna to know the answers to that question t- 10 years from now. But I think we can already, already see that guys who were freshmen last year, yeah, they pro- unless they're special the development path is just not the normal one that we're accustomed to. Mm -hmm. And I, we should just at the very least respect that, that notion. Um, But with the players he inherited and especially the players that Mike recruited and then the players that Grinch has been able to recruit since then, 2022's class looks amazing. It does. From where OU has been coming from. And that's the point. I don't know what people expected just because you change defensive coordinators does not mean everything gets changed, improved overnight, especially in college. You have to do so much at the same time, both in the past, in the present, and the future. You've got to make people forget about the past. You have to have immediate success on the field in order to make people forget, get momentum on the field, so you can have momentum off the field to recruit for the future. Hello, PK at Texas. I'm pretty sure Texas fans would have killed for a 2019 OU defense 
in Alex Grinch's first year for PK's first year at Texas. The point is, is it can be done. Grinch inherited a much worse defense than what PK inherited at Texas from an athletic and talent standpoint and especially a results standpoint. Uh, but still, despite the success in 2019 and despite some of the early success in 2020, when Grinch is on the recruiting trail in 2019 and early 2020, I mean, he's not banging down the doors to the guys that he probably truly wants. If there's an Alex Grinch big board of like, here are all the guys I want at this position, we'll knock off the top three at each position because we just we're not gonna we're not gonna win those battles. We got to continue to build more success on the field, get more of a track record, get some guys into the NFL so that we can sell that. So look towards the future. 2022 appears to be the culmination of the early success Grinch has had, the development of players, uh, catapulting some of them into the NFL, them having success in the NFL. We're starting to see that the fruits of that labor uh, being harvested for 2022, hopefully knock on wood, everybody still commits. But again, what does everybody expect? Like, what does everybody expect? So when the defense randomly turns to shit this year, and some of it, again, half of it's probably injuries. But the other half, again, like, what do you expect? The guys he inherited probably have low ceilings because they were they were developed or recruited by a guy who was recruiting from the pit. The absolute pit. Woody Washington randomly committed to OU. Uh, I mean, Brian Asmo was a three-star. Deshaun White, that was a gigantic recruiting battle between OU and Texas A&M, and then... Uh, I mean, it was a gigantic recruiting battle in terms of OU fans just didn't want to lose another recruit to Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. I don't know how bad A&M wanted him. Well, I mean, they flew. I mean, A&M wanted him really bad. I mean, it was no secret. It was him and Leon O'Neal, right, in the same class? I believe that is correct. Yeah. He's turned out to be a pretty good player, by the way, down there. I know people don't want to hear that. No, I mean, he's a good player. He'd be, he'd be great with OU. Yeah, he's... He's just he's he's gonna get to the league and that four eight speed's gonna be bad. Anyways, no, same time. Yeah. But I just I really am trying to grasp what people expected. And I think Grinch's immediate success Oh yeah, it's his, it's really, a, it's your ultimate downfall. Yeah, it just really played into this idea that it has to keep going up and up and up. Now, I'm disappointed in this defense. I I guess I can kind of understand the Texas first half. I can understand a little bit of the TCU game. Mm-hmm. It's the Kansas game that doesn't make sense. It's the Tulane game that doesn't make sense. And it's the performance against uh, Adrian Martinez. I mean, Jared Davey was getting whatever he wanted against West Virginia, too. I know they only scored 13, but. I mean, that is just. I understand that. I don't understand not getting to Skylar Thompson when he's injured in a statue. So, again, I, I just. Perhaps the players that he has, that he has to roll with, they just have a collectively low ceiling because they're just nowhere near the level of talent that is necessary for Grinch to be able to run the things that he wants to run. And, you know, people are saying that, I guess he just doesn't have any answers, as if that's a bad thing. That's just the that's just the reality. I mean, I don't know if you're considering this a bust, Keegan, but that third and eight or that third and ten that Kansas opened up on their first drive that they converted on their first third down. The third and eight. That wasn't a bust. That was by design. (laughs) That was absolutely by design. Hey, Billy Bowman, you're not even a cornerback and you're a true fucking freshman. We're going to have you line up 12 yards off the ball and then backpedal as soon as the ball is snapped. That's by design. Stay in front of them. That's exactly what Kansas did. Yeah, and that's what part of this conversation, right? Like, he did adjust. I think I sent this to you guys, but again, it, it took him. It took the defense a quarter and a half. I mean, I think all the problems we're talking about are, are culminating. Like I would say this, you know, just awesome Moe an individual in general. I mean, he wasn't Dane Brugler's with the Athletic, one of the more respected draft guys. He was in his top fifty at the beginning of the season. So, <laughs> I mean, Brady, like I told you, I mean, there's people in those neck of the woods are hitting me up and are like, why aren't these guys, you know, getting better and like it, it could go on. It could go on two fronts that they have low. They already had low ceilings as it is. It could be on a front of these guys not being put in the best position to be successful, and it also could be on just maybe these guys weren't. They didn't develop after last year, and and also, I mean, ever heard of recruiting misses? <laughs> how many four? Have or you five seen st- Oklahoma's offensive line? Yeah, how many four we or five even stars across college football just don't end up being as good as they were 
hype to be. There's a lot that's it's. I mean, and I, that's that's not on anybody. That's mm-hmm. just sometimes that shit happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, Noah Nelson's no longer at Oklahoma. I mean, talking about a guy who exactly like yeah, a guy that was a pro, looked like a promising potential tackle prospect. So there's there's a lot, and I think it's all it's a culmination of everything that we've talked about. And you know, if I was paid one point four million dollars and have had twenty thirty years extensive of coaching experience, like I would have answers for you, but I. I just don't like I, I, I don't like I, I told you earlier, like if, if you can't like Grinch can't coach him up to play zone, which is a coachable thing, like you should be able to coach that. If you can't coach him to play zone, then when you can't play man or you don't trust him to play man, then you're in a tough spot. And that's why we should have seen like I hate to look like oh look back and look at that comment that Grinch made about like I don't have guys that I trust that can play zone basically. That should have been a warning sign of well, if they can't play man, then what are they going to play? <laughs> and so, no, I like I said, I, I think this is rock bottom. Like, I, I don't know if they can go anywhere but up from here defensively. and they're, But they're going to have to. I mean, and if they don't, then, I mean, at, me, the, at the rate they're, rate they're going, man, they like they may not even make a Big 12 title game. To me, so. like, the, 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 I, the warning sign is that they're rolling with what? How many true freshmen on defense playing a significant amount of snaps? Danny Stutzman, Ethan Downs, Billy Bowman. Poor Danny. He got thrown into something yeah, he wasn't ready look, for. All three of these players have shown some flashes here and there. Ethan Downs probably the, the least amount in terms of production, but he just he's got a lot it's of energy. It's not the stat sheet stuff. Yeah, he's all over the place, but he doesn't really do much. I don't know what, what to think of that as an edge rusher. Yeah, I mean, it's not the fancy stats. His pressure and penetration rate's probably sure. pretty good. But when you're rolling out with three freshmen, no matter how talented they are, I mean, the inexperience is going to bite you in the ass. And then when you're compounding that with, well, the back half of our defense is incredibly injured, and mm-hmm. we have to roll out with one of those true freshmen as a cornerback because we don't trust other guys like Josh Eaton, who, I mean, quite frankly, looks a little slow. Yeah, uh, Latrell would... McCutcheon, who I know everybody thinks the world of him, because it became down between OU and Alabama, but I'm not saying he's a bust, not saying that at all, but it hasn't gone the way that we thought. But at the same time, I didn't really expect much. I didn't expect him to play. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I didn't expect him to play ahead of Josh Eaton like this year at all. Yeah. So. So a lot of it is just happenstance and just bad circumstances that happen because football is a chaos sport where guys get hurt. And yeah, you ideally probably don't want to play Latrell McCutcheon that much this year. They had to. And then you don't account for Jaden Davis getting cooked like a Lincoln Riley brisket against Xavier Worthy to the point where you're like, fuck it, put out the freshman. And then he busts left twice. I think McCutcheon busted twice in that game after that. Yeah, and Texas was was smart about it. Oh, here comes the freshman. Throw it on him. See what he can do. Mm-hmm. So it's just a bad situation. It's it's a it's a bad, unfortunate situation. Now if you're going to call me a hypocrite, that's fine. You can call me a hypocrite, listeners. Again, if Grinch starts doing this over and over and over and over yeah, this is and your, over this is again. Your, this is year three. If he starts doing this over and over and over again, and then players get in arguments with him on the, on the sideline, then that's when I'd be like, yeah, he needs to go. I asked you a question yesterday before we move on from this. I mean, I was told we're gonna have to leave to, leave Caleb until Thursday because <laughs> we're about an hour in. I know, um, and it's not even Caleb, I don't even think Caleb's main issue with their offense. But I, um, it's like I asked you this: like Brian Osamoa had high hopes. David Aguebu was probably a really good, consistent year away. Deshaun White, you know, maybe could now be a in round draft pick kind of guy, but who knows? I was told Perion Winfrey's getting some top 50 grades, which, again, I I don't know where that's coming from. Who? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Perion Winfrey. I don't know. Thomason. He's going to he's gonna test well. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I But he, he's, he does have numbers. What does he have? Four and a half, five and a half sacks? Something like that. I mean, it's not. A handful of TFLs. Like, he's, he's going to have production. It's just going to come down to, like, after the combine and coaches start putting the the film on there's gonna be like mm. not consistent not consistent and now at all. he does get doubled a lot and that's that's good wait till you see your boy isaiah coast splitting a double against kansas so that's the big problem is that like we well, can make all those excuses for Perion, and then it's like 
Well, 94 doesn't have a problem doing it. I know. I think, I mean, I think 88 doesn't have a problem doing Jaylen it. Jalen Redmond's the best defensive lineman on this team. I'm Thomas, but yes, I'm with you. I would say Isaiah Thomas if he could make a fucking tackle behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, ask that's him, been weird. Ask him that on his show. <laughs> how many? How come you always miss tackles behind the line of scrimmage? Sure. I'm sorry. You are a captain, so you're held to a higher standard. You're in a, He's been there for 12 years, so he's a grown-ass man. How come you cannot tackle somebody when you have them dead to rights in the backfield? If you're a captain, do something about that. Sure. It definitely is like corralling and still getting a negative play, but it's kind of – there's a – not to go – way like deep draft talk but there was a guy last year from Penn State like Uwe was his last name or something and everybody was just so enamored with him it's like well he had one of the highest pressure rates but he only had one sack yeah the guy had one sack last year Brady still win the first round (laughs) so I mean it's all crazy but I ask you this like I'm trying to sit here based off what I thought preseason wise I mean I I would confidently from just knowing these guys like, there's only two guys on this defense I would take right now. And that's Thomas and Benito. And that's it. Like, I don't... None of those guys have given me anything to sit here to talk to a you know, person of interest in this and tell them that they're these guys are draftable. Like, I would take them. And, like, I would take Perry on Winfrey, but I wouldn't take him, you know, like you said, top 50 guy. I mean, he's still got a lot to prove. There's still games to be played. But that's where I'm at, Brady, is like... You looked at this defense like it was like, okay, Woody Washington. Okay, DeLaren Turner-Yell. Okay, Brian Osamoa and David Aguebu and Perion and Stokes. So where is Stokes at? You know, like, who's had some good reps when he's been in. So, anyways, yeah, I think that that's my biggest thing and about this defense. It's just, it's a combination of a lot of things that's resulted in some suckage. A lot of suckage. Uh I mean, as I said to... I always like that word. Well, as I said, I'll have kind of a full, like, stat breakdown of where Oklahoma's at right now heading into this weekend to kind of see how they bounce back. But, I mean, they're in a place that they haven't been since 2018 defensively, and they've got... I think they have a lot of... They have a lot of issues that it sounds like it's not just football-related, that they need to work out and internalize it, figure it out, and kind of move forward. So... I know you said we're at an hour, but um, oh, we, wherever you want to go, we, Mr. We, Friend. We, we, can have, we can have a few more little tidbits here and there. I just The Caleb thing is going to take about 45 minutes. I've got some questions for you is basically what I'm Oh, uh, sure, sure. I think, the like I said, I think the, the it, biggest thing, like to be quick about it, and we can dive into more on Thursday as we preview tech, but I mean, I, I just think the biggest thing is that no matter what's going to happen at quarterback, if... The yards before contact, I know you saw me tweet that out, that graph, that dropped from Texas to TCU down to Kansas. Like, if the offensive line, so, like, their yards before contact against Texas, I think, was higher than TCU, which was which was lower than Texas, and then Kansas was lower than both. So, basically, Kennedy Brooks is getting hit by guys a lot closer to the line of scrimmage I mean, than it was before. We talked about firing Alex Grinch or just the question of that, if they had lost to Kansas. I mean, this is, is, yeah. is, is Bill Beanbo the most disappointing coach on this entire staff? His unit's the most disappointing, I think. That's yeah, because sure. they have not improved. Like, that that there, was a massive step there, back. There have been marginal improvements in spots. Nothing has really carried over. Like, anytime you feel like, okay, Andrew Rame is starting to play better, so that should – trickle around like there there should be more cohesion the communication should be fairly spot on at this point no they fuck up in the first quarter the first play after halftime i don't know what they're running they did a run play i know you remember i stopped it i'm like i don't know what they're running what they're what they're trying to accomplish in the run game it's it's ridiculous but just like we were i was mentioning with recruiting in terms of defensive players for alex grinch you can have recruiting misses. You can have misses <laughs> in development. And unfortunately, it looks like it's just all kind of culminated in one whole unit with OU. Anton Harrison is not the player we thought he was. Wania Morris is not the player that we thought we were getting. Uh, yeah. Andrew Rame. Can I put a yet with Wanye? Is no, because allowed? isn't he a one-year guy? Should have been a one-year guy. but Isn't he still going? I mean, he hell. shouldn't. I mean, he should come back. He yeah, should. Trey Norwood left. Sure. Wanye's a junior, though, right? I think he's just a third-year guy. Yeah. 
I thought the the hope was for him to come in, play left tackle, go off to the league, and I, I think the whole ineligible part of the summer probably threw a wrench into that plan. But yeah, anyways. but eight games into the season. Oh, I'm with you. He should be he should be ready by now. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm Ty- with you. Tyrese Robinson and Marquise Hayes, whatever. Chris Murray is not the player we thought OU was getting last year from UCLA. He is a walking penalty or a walking. He just, just misses too miss. too many things every game. And, and really, like the thing is, it's like Andrew Rame had that awesome quote in the offseason, we want to drive people into the ground or something like that. I've seen none of that. Like this this offensive line is is not is it's not just inconsistent. They're just not physical. And they allow other teams to intimidate and over physical them. Kansas over physicaled them on two fourth downs. Oh, you should have been stopped on I don't mean to do this, but if any other, if Spencer Rattler was quarterback on both fourth downs, obviously the play calling is a little different. But Lincoln probably hands it off. Oh, he doesn't get either one. They only got the first down literally because of Caleb Williams on both. So it's just it's weird, and that's the thing that I'm not confident in that improves. Like I think the secondary can improve with the starters coming back. And I think that has more to do with Grinch would have more faith that his starters can do a better job. So he can be a little bit more aggressive. He can be a little bit more versatile. I don't know if that equates to success, but that's what the defense that we saw in the first half of the season. I'd like to see that again. Maybe it comes with the secondary getting some reinforcements. I don't see the offensive line just all of a sudden being, I don't see that. I yeah. don't. I don't. I, I just. I, I don't see it. Real quick, just so people don't get a kind of a na- like. I've said this to you. Well, I've said it on the post game show on on Saturday. I, I said in the Friday night post, like we've seen enough from Caleb where it's like, okay, he needs to reach this point by this game, or he needs to reach you know this point by this game. Like he's got some nice kind of deadlines at, of places that he needs to get to as a quarterback now. And now we've – it's a good thing. And I said this to you. This is what you want to see. Like, you, you now you want to see him grow from Saturday. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, Lincoln's in that quarterback room and is like, why isn't the ball out? Why isn't the ball out here? Why isn't the ball out there? Why isn't this? Why isn't that? But, like, the most important thing is that this is his third game. I think I made this point on the film review. Like, this is his third game. Like, one, he shouldn't have to be in if – one, if we had the, the other quarterback was mature and his head coach, you know, held him accountable to that, probably not in this position. And then two, it it took Baker. I've said this multiple times with even Spencer. It took Baker fifteen games. I think Ohio State was the fifteenth, maybe sixteenth game. So it took him seventeen games. It took Kyler almost an entire season. Jalen never figured it out. Spencer took seventeen games. He never got it. Got it. I mean. To for anybody to expect him to even show up, and I, I, I'll even opponent justice to Kansas, and to be able to run the playbook to its fullest extent, like that's fool's gold. Like that's that was never probably going to be a thing. Which now you've reached this weird problem, and it's something I think we could touch on real quick in terms of, well, like if you don't, again, I hope Lincoln this weekend against Tech. I know what he needs to do, and we can talk about that more on Thursday. But I know what they need to do in the direction they need to go. But I kind of hope that he puts Caleb in the pocket again and allows him to try to have to figure out coverage and yeah. have to do things. Because, again, like, for Caleb, this isn't about – this is what sucks in the situation Lincoln's in. is like, this isn't about him leading Oklahoma to a national championship. From, like, my perspective, what I'm saying right now is, not like, what's going to be best for Oklahoma to win a national championship this year? It's, like, for when Caleb gets to the point where he's heading off to the NFL, like, where he needs to be, like, along those lines – so it kind of puts it in a, in a unique perspective because, I mean, I was showing you some of the numbers and this and that. Like, the passing efficiency has been more consistent. It's been better, like, more consistent in that in that realm. But what's really taken off, man, I mean, these design runs are when he's pulling it or in a zone read, which he struggled in that area on Saturday. When he pulls it or there's a designed run, it's adding so much more opportunity to Oklahoma winning a football game. So... If Tech, basically, and I know we'll dive into this on Thursday. There's more to get into, Brady, but um, I just want to say, like, no. Like, the quarterback right now, I think, is the guy you want. 
I just don't know if it's going to be the offense that we all expected, which I think is a lot of us are kind of on the same line. We're a lot of us are now kind of on the same lines. It, it wasn't, like I said, this game was definitely like the 2020 Baylor game for Caleb, like it was for Spencer. And what's funny, they both had Monday off of that, both of those weeks. Mm. No more Mondays off, it appears. But that's where we'll leave it for today. And we'll get to Caleb and more of an OUV Tech deep dive Thursday around 6 o'clock at Vanessa House. So if you're in the neighborhood, please come by. Yeah, come on down to Vanessa House. Come have a good time, have some good beers, and we can talk about OU football. We can all scream together as one. I will scream with base. you. Trust me. Uh, real quick, I, I do want to wrap up, I guess, in a pretty little bow, the beginning of last Thursday's podcast to the end of today's podcast. Yes, my concert in LA did get rescheduled. <laughs> and it got rescheduled. I'm not kidding. Uh, we were on the ground for an hour and a half in LA. Oh. And I'm sitting in the back seat of uh, Kamiar's uh, sister. She lives in L.A. Mm-hmm. in her car. And I just get a tweet notification on my phone. I have System of a Down on tweet notification. And all it said Brutal. was, we appreciate your understanding. And it had like a graphic, you know, but you had to like open up the the, uh, the app to see it. And as soon as I saw we appreciate your understanding, I was like, no, don't do this. <laughs> don't, please don't do this. And I looked at the graphic, and I was like, yep, Serge Tonkian had our lead singer got COVID over the weekend, and he's going to be fine. But they had to reschedule the concert to uh, February 5th and 6th, which the good thing about that is I'll still have tickets. Mm -hmm. I'll have to buy more airline tickets. But I'm going to do what I did this past time, fly into L.A., then fly back to Oklahoma City via Las Vegas, but probably spend a day in Las Vegas because that's Super Bowl weekend. So I'll go see System of a Down on a Friday and then go watch Super Bowl in Las and Vegas. Yeah, on go to the sports book. The energy in that place is going to be bonkers. Yeah. So it was a bummer, but I still had fun in L.A. It was the first time I ever went to L.A., Southern California. So it wasn't a complete loss. I saw the Pacific Ocean for the first time. I think I put that on Twitter. Santa Monica Pier, Promenade, Sunset Boulevard, all these old clubs and bars i heard about guns and roses and metallica playing in back in their early days uh we randomly drove through bel air which is where ucla is so that was cool god you saw the see Ho- a good game saw the hollywood sign yeah we watched the end of that at the airport in las vegas i felt so bad for ucla what a way to lose because i mean not every program is to insert qb2 and just win a game you know and get when Kayvon Thibodeau kills your quarterback. God. Is he not good? He's good. Remember, I, I, I've said this to you before. Remember when I saw him for the first time at the opening and I messaged, I was like, guys, yeah. this may be the best player I've ever seen. I just He's remember, 17. I, I just remember <laughs> wishing, like, is he related to Kelvin Thibodeau? <laughs> Please be related. <laughs> Please. Oh, he's not. Oh, damn. Never mind. Well, Keegan, good stuff. Always. Good stuff. Check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash through the keyhole for all the film reviews, offense, defense from Kansas, written posts in the past, from Sunday and Monday. More to come this week. Friday musings, the thoughts, which is always fun to type in five seconds and all the reactions. Uh, for our patrons, because we didn't have Matt today, I want Matt to read all of your answers from the Monday post. So we'll save that for Thursday instead uh, so that gives you all a little bit more time to put down some more answers, but we've got about 15 or so, and they're all awesome. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening to Through the Keyhole. Until next time, Boomer Sooner, and we will talk to you later.